Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, today's episode will be a little bit of an expositional episode, but not expositional about the Bible, expositional about a TV commercial. Now, this TV commercial aired during the Super Bowl. So, it's been stirring up stuff all over the internet. It's been causing waves and ripple effects in Christianity. Um, there, man, I've had several friends send me different videos from different Christian podcasters and YouTubers talking about this commercial. And if you're not familiar with it, I'll walk through it fairly quickly. But I think a lot of people are. And I mean, honestly, you can just look it up on YouTube. It's the He Gets Us uh, feet washing or foot washing commercial. And so the commercial opens. It's a bunch of AI generated images. And it opens in like a dining room of a house with some elderly people there. Maybe not elderly, just older people and then some younger people. And there's a young man in a yellow shirt with blonde hair washing the feet of an older man. Now, this could be his father, could be his father-in-law. We don't really know, but he's just kind of washing his feet uh, in this AI image. And then it cuts to another image of a police officer. Looks like maybe a Hispanic, maybe an African-American police officer washing the feet of an African-American man with a man bun, kind of like a cornrow man bun, a tank top. And he has his feet on what looks to be like a milk crate or something. And they're in an alley. There's a police car in the back with police lights on. The third image looks like it's in a high school. Looks like there's a, you know, maybe popular preppy cheerleader uh, girl washing the feet of someone wearing a black and white polo shirt. She looks like she has short red hair, red pants. Maybe she doesn't fit in as much. Not quite sure because it's in a hallway with a bunch of trophies probably for sports there's a basketball in the trophy case so you know maybe the cheerleaders washing the feet of the less popular girls what they're trying to communicate cut to the fourth image looks like it could be somewhere out in wyoming there's some you know hills in the back kind of in the desert there's kind of an old cowboy looking guy uh washing the feet of an old native american looking man uh, there's an old pickup truck in the back and looks like an old fire cut to the fifth image. There is a red-haired uh, woman in a house that is in complete disarray, kind of in the kitchen, uh, washing the feet of someone who looks to be suffering or going through something. Not entirely sure what it is. Uh, her life is pretty chaotic. Cut to the sixth image, and you're in an oil field, and it looks like there's a blue-collar worker washing the feet of some woman. Can't really tell what her ethnicity is, and I'm not going to make any judgment calls. Uh, then you cut to uh, an image in front of a bus. There are a lot of people that look uh, maybe lower income or homeless, and then there's a woman who looks a little out of place. She looks maybe middle class to upper uh, level income, washing the feet. Another woman in kind of tattered clothes holding a baby. Uh, and then you cut to a front porch, and there are, it looks like neighbors washing the feet of their other neighbors. The neighbors doing the washing uh, look to be white, middle-class American, and the neighbors receiving the washing look to be Middle Eastern, potentially Muslim, as the woman is wearing a burqa, or a, a, not a burqa, whatever the other head covering is. 
that's not coming to mind. Uh, the next image looks like it's at a protest or a rally. Um, there are signs that say, shut him up, silence, hate. And there is an African-American woman washing the feet of another woman, not sure her race. Um, they look pretty similar, uh, to be fair. Uh, the next image is an old white guy and an old black guy. They're sitting, uh, looks like on a porch, talking to each other. Both of their feet are in a wash basin. And then the final image looks to be a priest uh, washing the feet of a gentleman who's dressed very effeminately, uh, potentially gay, potentially non-binary, something like that. And then the screen goes black and it says, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us, all of us, Jesus with the U.S. highlighted. And then he gets us.com slash love your neighbor is the website. And so this has been sparking a lot of controversy online um, between Christians, non-Christians, the right, the left, whatever. Uh, people are kind of inferring a lot out of this commercial. And so I'm going to give you two takes on this. I'm going to give you the initial reaction to the commercial take. And then I did go to hegetsus.com and I did look at their beliefs. And I do have some thoughts I'd like to share based on that. So that's where we're going to go for the next uh, 15 minutes or so that are left in this episode. First of all, the commercial. Initially, I didn't like it. And I was watching the Super Bowl at some friend's house. And initially, I saw this. And I had the same exact reaction that a lot of Christians are having online, which is, whoa, 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 whoa. This says nothing about repentance. This says nothing about come to Jesus and change your life. Leave your old identity behind. This is just a bunch of identity cues, identity quips that say Jesus will accept you no matter what. This commercial's crap. And so that's kind of the stance I, I held. And then I watched some videos of people agreeing with that stance. You know, I watch videos uh, and listen to podcasts of people saying this commercial is wrong. It's promoting uh, this kind of all inclusive. You don't have to repent of your sins. Come as you are. Change nothing about yourself. Christianity, which is not true Christianity, to be fair. You can come as you are. You can come caught in adultery as a woman once did. You can come having had five husbands and living with a man who's not your husband as another woman once did. You can come a Pharisee, a ruler of a synagogue, as other men did but you can't stay that way in Christianity. He gets you, he loves you, he sees you, but he loves you and sees you and gets you too much to leave you as you are, no matter who you are, no matter if you are white, middle-class, conservative American. Look, Jesus didn't vote Republican, <laughs> you know? Like, no matter who you are, you have to lay down your identity, and that's true. But I don't think, if I just judge this commercial as it is, that it's really saying that. So there's a couple things that I want to kind of touch at. Number one is, let's just talk about the foot washing. What happened in context? Jesus washed his disciples' feet before the final Passover uh, meal, right? Uh, that is communion, where we get this idea of communion from. Jesus washed Peter's feet before he denied him three times. Jesus washed Thomas's feet before he didn't believe in the resurrection until he saw physical proof. He denied the resurrection of Christ until he put his fingers in Jesus's scarred hands. And then Jesus said, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe that will not see. Jesus washed Judas's feet before Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So the interactions in John chapter 13, you know, Peter comes to him and says, are you seriously going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. (laughs) So Peter replies, then Lord, not just my feet and my hands, my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And so that's that's the matter at hand with this commercial. Number one, it doesn't show Jesus washing anyone's feet. It shows people, other people, people that we're going to assume are Christians and are living like Christians are supposed to do, right? Because Jesus washed the feet of someone who was not entirely clean, Judas. And he said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And at another point in the gospel, there was a conversation about who was going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus said, whoever desires to be greatest in heaven should become servant of all. Not just servant of those that live a perfect Christian life, not just servant that those who follow God's word and have every commandment memorized and try to live it out as best they can and vote Republican and all this stuff, right? Servant of all. And so I think after reflecting on this commercial for a few days, I think it's actually good that it was there. I'm glad that it was there rather than not being there for a couple reasons. Number one, Christians, we've done a bad job serving others. Look, there, there was the image, and I totally skipped over it, um, but there was the image of, of a woman washing the feet of another woman outside of an abortion clinic, and I did totally skip over that one when I was going over the images, but that one was there too, uh, and I didn't skip over that one on purpose. I was just skipping ahead on YouTube, and I skipped ahead a little bit too far, but there was the image of a woman washing the feet of someone outside of an abortion clinic, and I, I think that that's actually a really good image that Too often we can get into our mindset of this is wrong, we need to stop it. And what are we actually doing to serve people that have had abortions? Yes, abortion's wrong. But here's the thing. The world knows it's wrong. Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about that, that God's law is written on people's hearts, that their conscience testifies to themselves that they've broken God's law. I've never had an abortion. I can't, physically. I'm a male. But I've talked to people that have, and if you've never had one, You don't know what that's like. You don't know what that's like to go through that and to live with that forever because for many women that have abortions, there's the moment in their life they don't want a child and then there's a series of moments in their lives afterwards where they really want a child and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that hangs over them from that sometimes only gets echoed by the church. And hey, maybe we need to wash some feet. Maybe we need to give people the space so that we can get them. And I think that's the message of the commercial. I don't think the the commercial's trying to change Jesus, but rather to say that Christians should just take the time and understand their neighbor, right? When Jesus was asked, who is your neighbor? He gave the parable of the good Samaritan, the non-Jew, the the, the Samaritan who acted more loving and more Christian-like than the Jews, the people to whom salvation was given first because they hated each other. So who's your neighbor? Your neighbor's the person you hate and disagree with. Serve them. And I think the commercial is good. I think it's good for Christians to see that. We don't serve our neighbors. Most people don't even know who their neighbors are anymore. Most people, and and, and there's this this TV show 
that my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law watch. And it's, it's kind of funny that they watch it and they're, they're not these kind of people. So I, I give them a pass. They are very loving. They, they actually do get to know their neighbors and they're wonderful people, but they do watch this, this TV show. And I forget the name of it, but it's like the, the scary neighbor next door. And it turned out to be a serial killer or someone. And, and they're just like super afraid of it. But, but I think that, that, so many people actually live like that. So many people are paranoid of who their neighbors are, that their neighbors are drug dealers or serial killers, or they're all in cahoots and conspiracy to like get them or, you know, have their dogs all poop on their lawn or something, right? Like serve and love your neighbor. I think it's good for the, the Christian church to see that. Second of all, I think that there is a large secular and spiritual population here in America that doesn't subscribe to Christianity and doesn't know Christianity anymore. Maybe they only know judgmental Jesus followers. Maybe they only know people that protest outside of abortion. Maybe they only know people that, whatever, storm a capital or something. And maybe they just need to know that Jesus does teach love. Now, Jesus did talk about hate. Hate's in there. And really only once, right? And I want to get to this a little bit more when I talk about the He Gets Us website. But Jesus said, whoever wants to follow me must hate father, mother, brother, and sister. And what he means is that the love for him should be so radical that any love in comparison, this is an Old Testament kind of trope that Jesus uses here. uh, And by Old Testament trope, I just mean it's a Jewish comparison that one thing is so strong that anything else in comparison to it looks like it's opposite, right? So love for Jesus should be so strong that love for father, mother, brother, and sister in comparison to it should look like it's opposite of love is what Jesus is getting at there. So the commercial says that. Second of all, Paul, at the end of his life, wrote a letter to a church at Philippi, a church he only got to spend a few months at before being run out of town because the city did not want him there preaching Christ. And as he was in his final imprisonment in Rome, awaiting his death sentence, he said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, But I want you to know, brethren, and he loved this church dearly, the church at Philippi, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And so here we see Paul probably serving and loving these pagan Roman palace guards. And I think of Bonhoeffer, who served and loved Nazi guards when he was in the Nazi prison in Berlin, Germany. He didn't agree with Nazis, just like Paul probably didn't agree with Roman centurions and Roman officers and guards but you can still serve love and maybe even wash some feet and of course this is metaphor i mean feel free to actually physically wash people's feet but it's a metaphor for serving for the kind of life and attitude we should have as serving right so so paul says it's evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in christ paul is loving and serving the palace guard probably similar to how Bonhoeffer loved and served not only his fellow prisoners, but the Nazi guards that smuggled out Bonhoeffer's writings from the prison in Germany. And we have some of the most beautiful expositions and sermons about the Bible ever from Bonhoeffer. So Paul goes on. Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the, for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, 
whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. So, on to the matter of hegetsus.com. You go to the website, and it immediately is apologizing for Christianity as having been used as something that is dividing people, that is spreading judgment. And right away, my what first came to mind is Luke chapter 12, when Jesus said, I came to send, and this is verse 49, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished, of course, speaking of the cross. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. From now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And so right away, I kind of disagree with the He Gets Us website. Jesus said he came to divide. Now, again, it doesn't mean that Christians should be hateful. It doesn't mean that Christians should not serve those that, that they disagree with. Jesus served Judas. And so he gets us, wants to remind people that Jesus is inclusive, which is fine. Jesus is inclusive to those who want to exclude their sin from their lives. And so going through the About Us site on He Gets Us, I don't know that I see anything outright wrong. I see that they leave stuff out. I don't know that I fully disagree with anything on the website. I just also think that's not how I would have presented it. I think in my understanding of Scripture and the gospel, there is none righteous, no, not one, Paul writes in Romans. But Jesus became the propitiation, the payment for our sins. And therefore, the grace and love of God is freely offered to all men through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection three days later. You don't have to clean yourself before coming to Christ. He will do the cleaning. His name's the Holy Spirit, and he comes to live inside of you. I do think that what might backfire on the He Gets Us movement is that all of their About Us focuses on one side of culture, and Christianity is not cultural. Christianity transforms and redeems culture, but it's not bipartisan. Christianity is not Republican. It's not Democrat. It's not conservative. It's not liberal. There's parts of it that can identify with a conservative philosophy, and there's parts of it that can identify with a liberal philosophy. And so I think he gets us, finds weakness in that it really identifies the liberal aspects of Christianity. But I think that that same weakness is in so many churches that identify only the conservative aspects of Christianity. And so I don't know that he gets us is actually worse than a lot of churches that y'all interact with, that I interact with. I don't think it's good. I don't, well, good's maybe the wrong word. I don't think it's the best that it can be. I don't think it's the highest ideal it can be with regards to Christianity. And it might backfire because people might encounter this website and then they might actually dig into who Jesus is and find that they have to repent and that he does drive division and that you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. And so you can't serve God and mammon or God and culture or God and whatever else that, hey, for that last image, right? The priest watching, washing the feet of the probably homosexual man. Hey, homosexuality is a sin and you're going to have to repent of it at some point. 
And I've done a number of episodes on that. And I interviewed Greg Coles, author of Single Day Christian. So go back, find those episodes, listen to those for a detailed kind of deep dive and what I mean when I say that. Don't just take it at face value. Please hear me out. Please hear out Greg Coles on this subject. It's a it's a complex subject. And I think we got to talk about it a bit more, right? But for this episode, I'm not going to touch on it. But that's there. It's in that process of encountering Jesus. Yeah, he gets us, but he gives you time to get him back. You don't have to get him back for him to wash your feet. He washed Judas's feet. And okay, fine. The he gets us movement might be preaching Christ from a more liberal perspective. And the church down the street might be preaching Christ from a more conservative you know, perspective. And some might be preaching Christ out of envy or strife or pride or boasting or, or to have some kind of self gain. And, and some might be preaching Christ from prosperity. And that is probably more wrong than, than this he gets us movement anyway. Uh, Looking at you, Joel Osteen. But what am I to say to these things? Paul, I'll rejoice that Christ is preached. I'll rejoice. Listen, I don't have the $10 million or I don't even know how much it costs to put a Super Bowl commercial out, but I don't have that kind of money to take 30 seconds. I, I mean, they did two commercials, right? So to take a minute, one whole minute out of the Super Bowl, and this Super Bowl was the most watched telecast. There's 123.5 million people watching this. The, the, the only one that beat that was the moon landing in 1969. This is the most watched telecast since the moon landing in 1969. I don't have the money to put Jesus's name on a screen for a minute during this telecast, but someone did. So I'll rejoice that in the, the second most watched telecast in the history of TV here in America, Jesus's name got put on a screen. You can't get all of theology in 30 seconds. And listen, if I encounter someone with the He Gets Us movement personally, and I know them personally, and I have an opportunity to speak into their lives, I'll question them. But I do that with everyone. I mean, I question my local church, right? <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll ask the pastor out for lunch, and I'll be like, hey, I had problems with your sermon here, 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 and here. Answer my questions, right? And, and we, can, we can reason through things together, and that's, that's the liberty we have in Christ is to have discussions. And I think that's the other benefit of this commercial is it started the discussion for a lot of people. And I think that that's awesome. And I think that if it started discussions for non-Christians, like, hey, yeah, Jesus gets you. He loves you. He says, come as you are, but he's not going to leave you that way. He's going to change you if you let him. Look, the Bible says, ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be open to you. Seek and you will find. If you just ask, knock and seek once and don't like the answer and turn away, nothing's going to be given to you. But if you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, you keep being a skeptic, you'll find. Jesus will show you. What he needs to show you, he gets you, and he wants you to get him. But he needs to serve you first. And that's the point of Jesus washing feet in the Bible. He serves you first. You don't serve God first. He came down to you. You don't work your way up to him. And he served you. He washed away all of your sin on a cross. He got you. He got your sin. But then he rose from the grave, so now you can get him. He gets you so much, he took away all of your sin. And that's cool, but without resurrection power, it, it doesn't go anywhere, right? So, so he rose from the grave. He gets you. Now you get him. You get him. Not you have to have him. Not you're forced to. Yeah, without him, there's hell. And hell is the absence of him. And if you don't want to get him, you don't have to get him. That's fine. That option's there. Everyone has that prerogative in life. Everyone has the prerogative of 
encountering Jesus and what are you going to do? Are you going to ask? Are you going to seek? Are you going to knock? Or are you going to write him off? Or are you going to write him into your script and say, oh, he gets me. He knows that voting for whatever Republican driving a Chevy pickup up truck. <laughs> he knows that's how I should live. Hey, oh, he gets me. He knows that love is love and I can marry whoever I want and be whoever I want. No, you don't know him. He gets you, but you need to get him. He gets you the cross. You get him the resurrection. Following Jesus, walking with Jesus, it's a get to. I've been saying this for years on this podcast, right? There's no you have to follow law anymore. It's a you get to. There was no Jesus had to save us from sin. It's he gets to. He gets us. We're a gift to him. Jesus said so much. He said that those that he'll save are a gift to the Father and a gift from the Father. But Jesus is a gift to us. Jesus' law is a gift to us. The ability to take control of our minds, take captive our thoughts, turn from our sin, repent, throw our old identity away, even if you're a Pharisee, like Paul said in Philippians, right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees concerning the law, blameless, but he counted it all as loss when he found Jesus. Well, when Jesus found him, actually, Jesus got Paul on a road to Damascus and knocked him off his religious high horse, right? Conservative, super conscientious, orderly, by the book, Christian who yells and judges others needs to deny themselves just as much as higher in neuroticism, liberal, struggling with homosexuality, non-Christian needs to deny themselves. It's, it's a total denial of identity, a total coming to Jesus, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So overall, I'm glad this commercial was there. I think it was super positive as far as the conversations it's generating. The He Gets Us movement, I think it's a little off base, right? But but Christ, Christ is preached, so I will rejoice. I don't fully agree with them, just like I don't fully agree with the uber-conservative Christian Jesus-must-fit-conservative conscientious-orderly agenda. Jesus breaks all of that. He confronts all of that. Deny your identity, pick up your cross, and follow him. You get to only because he got, he got you first, only because he served you first by serving himself as the sacrifice, the perfect scapegoat for our sins on the cross, and then giving us the power to get him back at the resurrection. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I don't know if I captured everything in this short podcast. I have been loving the interaction on TikTok. I'm going to definitely try to have more of a presence there. If you're not on TikTok, hey, more power to you. If you are on TikTok, look me up, follow me, jump in the comments, share this episode, share other episodes, videos, whatever, what have you. Share your thoughts. Let's share the conversation together. Let's try to get each other more. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. 